And then if he needs to step um, off, then he can step off and bring the ball. And then yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. Gary, does that sound good to you? Sure. Perfect. We're just gonna I'll kind of tee you up here. So as we do the intro, you can kind of think of your answer. Um we're just gonna ask you kind of um kind of where you were. You know, that's about almost we're almost at 20 years, but it's 19 years ago. Um so kind of ask you where you were, um, kind of how that impacted you. Um, kind of what it means to you, you know, being the chief of the fire department here, um, and then kind of, you know, how has the community, you know, what 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 does Sheridan do for you guys, you know, for September 11th and things like that, and um, so we'll keep okay. it nice and brief, but um, you can this kind of your if you want to talk about it, um, this is your your time to shine there. So <laughs> again, pressure. <laughs> so, on the, the morning of September 11th, uh, I was actually just coming on shift uh, here at Sheridan Fire. I'd been a firefighter here for about four years at that point. Uh, you know, it just seemed like another normal day coming to work. Uh, what I remember about that morning is as we were doing our shift change, uh, we had a telephone call from one of the wives saying, hey, turn on the TV. So at, at that point, we had a, a small TV in our day room, uh, you know, one of the old fashioned box style. Mm -hmm. And we turned it on just in time uh, to catch the news showing the second plane hitting the second tower. And at, at that time, I don't believe that any of us really had any idea what was happening, uh, much less that it was a terrorist attack. Right. You know, uh, kind of catching up as the the news moved on that morning and saw that, you know, this was the second plane to hit the second World Trade Center, uh, kind of started becoming more obvious at that point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we spent a little time watching the news and just kind of thinking about what ha what was happening. And then we pretty much went about our day. Uh, you know, we, we went down to the base, started checking through our equipment and our apparatus, making sure everything was ready. And we would uh, occasionally drift back into that day room and, and watch the TV and watch the updates as they came in. Uh, one of the things I remember uh, specifically about that morning was uh, when the towers began to collapse. And, you know, at, at that point, being very aware, you know, we'd been watching firefighters and, and law enforcement officers and other first responders run into those buildings for quite some time. And we knew a lot of them were in there trying to get people out. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the first thought was, oh, wow, a lot of people died. And the next thought was a lot of them were, were firefighters and other first responders. And, you know, that was a very sobering thought at that point uh right just w w through emergency services you know whether firefighters EMS, or or law enforcement officers you you have a pretty, pretty much a standing brotherhood you know no matter where you are whether or not you've met before you you share this family and so just thinking that you know just lost a lot of people that do what i do that that i consider uh, family right um 
you know, we, we continued throughout the day, uh, you know, responding to our normal call load and doing those things and continually catching the updates on the news and, uh, you know, hearing about the other, uh, the other hijackings and the incidents as they went on. Uh, soon after that, you know, like probably every other fire department in the United States, we just saw a, a tremendous outpouring of community support. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, thanking us for being there, but we, we had, I can't even remember how much money was dropped off at this fire department to be donated uh, to FDNY and the other uh, groups out there that were involved in this and it, it, it you know it's been 20 years ago but it seems like we spent weeks uh, with people dropping off checks and cash and all that and and we got it sent off to, to New York at that same time we had uh, several members of our department were in Emmitsburg Maryland at the National Fire Academy and that that's a, a FEMA facility and you know in the scheme of things really not far from New York and we were getting reports back from them that they had all been uh, sent back from their classes and locked down in their dorm rooms you know again not knowing the extent of further attacks um, and the other thought was you know the National Fire Academy had 500 firefighters and paramedics on campus they they had considered uh, mobilizing them at one point, or at least kept it as a plan B. So it looked like we could have some members of our department that were actually going to be sent uh, to New York to, to help go through the pile. Wow. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, I don't know, Zach, I'm a little bit older than you, but, uh, you know, you know, 19 years ago, but uh, I, it's funny that I, you know, still vividly remember how Chief Harnish kind of described his morning. You know, I remember going to school and I could tell it was a weird morning. You could tell the teachers were a little bit off and then they started putting them on, you know, they, they'd have the news on. And then, uh, you know, my parents came and picked me up and took me home and I still didn't, you know, I still wasn't kind of aware of what was happening, but uh, same thing. We had a small little box TV in our kitchen and I'm, I, I remember seeing the second plane is in, you know, and at the time I had no idea, you know, what I was watching, but, um, you know, my mom was the one that picked me up and that was, I remember how she reacted and that's, it's kind of funny that we, you know, everyone has that kind of very detailed morning of, of it happening. It, it, it's interesting to me that you mentioned that your, your parents came and picked you up. Um, I, I actually wrote some, thoughts down about this a couple of years ago for a talk I did. And that was another thing that I remember about that morning is, you know, even though I was here in Sheridan, Wyoming, I had pretty much an irrational fear for uh, my son who was in grade school at that time and, and my wife's safety. So I, I totally understand your parents' reaction to mm -hmm. going picking you up from school. It's, you know, we wanted to pull everybody close to closer at that point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I uh, uh, see. I would have been about three or two and a half, three years old uh, when this happened. So 
yeah, I, I don't remember much, but just from what my parents told me, um, actually my brother would have only been a couple months old at this time, but uh, they kept us home that day. Um, and I remember what my mom has told me, she was at home with us. And then my dad ended up coming home from work. Um, but she was, she remembers being in the living room and, and seeing the, you know, the second plane uh, hit the building. So yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of strange now to, to see that, you know, generations who are born after this and, you know, are, are living with, with the repercussions of what this is, even though they were born maybe right after it. So, yeah. Right. And, you know, and on that note, you know, uh, Gary, what's, what's kind of your, you know, what we hope to remember as a, as a society, as a community about, you know, like Zach mentioned, you know, and I helped co coach football at the high school. So, I mean, there's, there's the ninth graders um, that obviously weren't, weren't around, uh, you know, it's not, um, it's not something they've seen. Um, what is something you'd hope that they, that we kind of teach them on, you know, especially on Friday um, in kind of remembrance of, of uh, September 11th? Well, I guess what, what I hope to personally remember is um, that in time of need, we, we have people throughout this country and, and that day it happened to be in New York but, you know, people all across this country that are ready to step up and, you know, sacrifice their own well-being to help others. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the foiled hijacking of the plane that ended up crashing in Pennsylvania was, you know, in, in my mind, completely due to a, a small group of people who went, you know, we're not going to make it through this, but we can keep it from being worse. Right. And, and just remembering that, uh, you know, especially in as the country is at this time, and we seem so divided by everything, whether it's politics, whether you wear a mask, whether you don't wear a mask, um, you know, how we can really come together and are, are totally willing to help your neighbor out. And so, you know, every year at Sheridan Fire Rescue, um, we will continue to hold uh, the short remembrance ceremony. Uh, again, just to to keep those people in mind that that helped out that day and made those sacrifices, and uh, you know, to remind ourselves that even with the evil in the world, there is so much good that will exist that can unite people. Absolutely, for sure. That's awesome. Well, Zach, that's kind of all I had for Chief Harness. You have anything for him? Uh, no, I think we, you hit that pretty good. Um, yeah. You know, just what it means to you and how the community has stepped up. Um, you know, Sheridan, we're really fortunate to live in Sheridan um, and to have the kind of small tight-knit community that we have, um, especially just in recent months too with, you know, all this outcry um, against first responders and, and you know, law enforcement. Um, and we're just super, super appreciative of those people in our community and here in Sheridan. So thank you for uh, for stepping up and, and being part of that. Well, thank you for the invite and uh, appreciate you letting me be a part of this. And, you know, as, as far as being any kind of first responder, uh, it, it's, it's been an amazing life. 
I've really enjoyed my career and, you know, hope to continue for a few more years. And, um, you know, I, I hope we can still keep bringing people into the fire service, into law enforcement. Um, you know, of, of course, there's uh, bad people everywhere, but we can continue to bring good people in to do good work. Yep. Totally. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Well, this was great, Zach. I'm glad we got Chief Harnish on. Chief Harnish, uh, Gary, thanks for coming in again. Um, and thank you for your service. And uh, um, this will come out on Friday. And so uh, um, you'll kind of be our headliner there for September 11th. But um, we'll kind of let you go there. Um, if we ever want you back on, um, we'd love to talk to you maybe about some Sheridan stuff, Sheridan County stuff, if we ever need to. So um, that'd be great. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. That was good. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. that was really good. That'll be a great. Um, that'll be a great little start to the episode for Friday. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, you know, I uh, don't want to, I didn't want to put you on the spot, Zach, for being younger, you know, being three at the time, yeah. but, you know, I, you know, I, I would have only been like eight, you know, I think I was in second grade or, you know, or I can't remember, but yeah, know, I, uh, yeah. but um, that was, that was awesome from uh, Gary Harnish there, the Definitely. fire department chief. Um, let's, uh, he kind of, um, he kind of went jumping into the question, so we'll kind of do our intro here, Zach, but. Um, sure. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Go Be Wyoming. I'm your host, Aaron Gray, and with me again is Zach Gale from Bozeman. Um, we just got off a little interview with uh, Fire Department Chief Gary Harnish, um, and it was wonderful. We were talking about uh, September 11th. That's coming up on Friday. Um, we are at 19 years um, from the September 11th attacks. Um, Zach, what's your kind of initial thoughts on, on uh, Chief Harnish's uh, statements? Yeah, I think he had a great message, um, you know, just what he wants us to take away from this. Um, you know, despite all the evil and all the bad in the world, um, Americans as a whole uh, really step up uh, when it's, you know, it's when it's time. Um, you know, we may, might be divided or feel we're, you know, neighbor against neighbor right now. Um, but when it really comes down to it, everybody's willing to contribute uh, and give back in some way. Um, you know, he mentioned uh, people in Sheridan uh, the day after and the day of were sending checks and cash uh, to the to be sent off and donated to the New York Fire Department, um, which is incredible. So, yep. And I and I I think what was interesting too is like there was there was a possibility of actual Sheridan firefighters if they needed to be called, you know, that were training there in Maryland. I think that's like what a small world that is of of first responders, which is kind of what he talked about too. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that was great. Um, let's just get right into it, Zach. We got a lot to talk about. Um, yep. Some good stuff, I think. Um, first, we're going to cover a lot of education news, and this is going to be brought to you by Alpha Graphics of Sheridan. They can handle any of your design needs, printing needs um, in Sheridan. Um, Zach, I'll have you kind of talk about this coming out of Gillette. Yeah. Um, so let's see, this was, I think last week. Um, but the, uh, 
the city of Gillette vote or um, they didn't vote, the vote is coming. They have finished um, applying to create their own community college uh, mm -hmm. district. Um, so this is coming off the heels of the, um, you know, Sheridan College or the Northwest or Northern Wyoming Community College District deciding to cut funding for athletics. Um, that's the real main driving factor behind this. Um, so Gillette is, they filled out their application and sent it to the state to separate from NWCCD. So they would be creating Gillette Community College. Um, so for those that don't know, Sheridan College and Gillette College are kind of under the same umbrella, they're connected. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so they've applied, uh, they've sent that off. Um, so the Wyoming Community College Commission has to approve it. So there's a couple of different, there's several steps. Um, the WCCC has to approve it. Then it gets sent to the legislature. The legislature has to approve it. And then uh, Gillette voters will vote on this, um, whether or not they want to do that. So the majority of Gillette voters, you know, vote in favor. Um, and uh, there's a lot that can happen. And, you know, even before it gets to a vote, it can be vetoed by the WCCC or vetoed by the, the legislature. Um, there's a lot of what ifs. Um, there's a lot behind this, you know, even if it goes to a vote, um, you know, there's somebody's got to fund it. That uh, athletics program costs $3 million. Yeah. Um, that means taxes are going to be going up in Gillette if you approve this. So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. When you um, when you kind of informed me, we wanted to talk about this like I was oblivious to this whole thing. And, um, you know, luckily it's still in kind of the early stages, you know, the the community college commission's got to approve it first. It's got to go through the state legislature, then it's got to get voted in Gillette. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that got to happen, but I'm like, I understand, you know, from a coach perspective of why the athletics part is, is driving this. Yeah. I'm not too sure. You know, I, I don't want to dog on anybody that plays in a community college, you know, athletically, not sure why this is a priority to Gillette and why it's a priority to the community college. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of what ifs and this will be kind of an interesting thing for the leg the legislative session if it gets approved by the commission. Um, for sure. Because yeah, I mean, so that, I, I think that'd be the big talking point at the state legislation session is who's funding this? You know, is Gillette going to fund it? Campbell County going to fund it? Um, right. So something to keep an eye on and kind of an interesting uh, story, especially with kind of everything else going on. Yeah, definitely. Um, it'd be interesting to get some state senators on uh, to talk about this, you know, if maybe if they have time and it does come up uh, in session, but um, yeah, to just see kind of what their, what their thoughts are, how feasible this, uh, this venture is. So. Yeah, especially, especially representatives and senators from Campbell County, because I'd, I'd love to hear what their reasoning is. So, yep. Um, in other education news, um, this is kind of a cool project. I heard about this last year, I think, is when they started doing this project. Um, so Pilot Hill in Laramie, outside the university, there's this kind of land out there by the university that they worked on kind of getting like a little swap um, 
and so it'd be used it'd be used for the school you know um i mostly you know i i don't think not all of it's gonna be like buildings or anything like that it's mostly kind of like for the ag program and energy sure. programs um i think some recreation you know walking paths things like that so yeah um kind of hit on that so pilot hill is what it's called um, that's got approved and it's moving ahead um so that just means they've agreed with that land swap there um one thing that came up this week that i wanted to talk to you about zach um is the university is looking at going fully online now um and we'll kind of hit on COVID a little bit later on in this episode, but, um, you know, I, I, I get it and I don't get it. Cause it's like, look, you just gave the students three grand to wear a mask and now you're going to just go full online. So, um, yeah. Did we not expect that we were going to have spikes? Like, is that like, uh, did I miss that? Like we're going to go to right. school and expect no one get it. Yeah. Right. I'm just as confused too with with the whole um, you know tiered reopening and then um, you know now it's on pause and yeah I'm confused too. <laughs> um, you know there's there's active cases in Bozeman right now. The school hasn't hinted. I, okay, I shouldn't say that. There's always this underlying factor of we might be moving online, you know, um, but there's, you know, every day I'm sure there's a case. Um, and so it's, it's curious to me, when does it hit, you know, what's the X number of cases in a day that you see that decides, okay, it's done. Cause I think in Laramie, it was only three people, um, in one day. So, um, and they're not even in, in person classes yet yeah. too. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Um, and and that's a question to ask. Like, do you guys even have a number? Like, right. They probably don't. And it's like, so what are we doing? Like, you get like, and we'll get again. We'll get into this more. But so I I found that interesting. The president hasn't made a decision. You know, they were slow anyways to go into in person classes. Yep. But there's there's feelings coming out from the university that they might not even go full person in person classes. Um, which is just wild to me because then we just handed them out money. Um, anyway, and I, and I get it. They've got to live down there and whatever and whatever, but I don't know. It's so something to keep an eye on for people in, for sure. you know, curious about where money's going in the state. Um, next up, we're going to talk about, we're just going to mix these all together, Zach, because they kind of all That's tie fine. in together. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk some energy and some agriculture. Um, this is going to be brought to you by Land Resources USA. Um, they've got about 20, 30 years of experience in oil and gas. Um, that would be Denny Beitman. Uh, Denny let us use his office to interview Spencer Kuzara. Um, so this, this little segment here, energy and ag. Um, so this is a little bit confusing here. So I'll kind of walk through this, Zach. So the state land trade investments, um, are looking, well, they've already approved it. Well, no, sorry. They're looking to approve some state land trades um, with EOG. Um, the lands are almost exactly the same in acreage. So it's not like 
the state, you know, it's not like some underhand the table thing here, but sure. I agree with um, some ranchers, some livestock owners that have grazing leases on the state lands that they're switching because it's almost um, there. The EOG has some lands kind of in Southern Wyoming and the state is looking at switching lands almost in like Campbell County, almost Northern Wyoming. Yeah. So it's almost a whole flip. And so the livestock owners, ranchers up in the Northern part that we, that EOG would be taking and it would be for oil and gas development. Um, their concern is, well, hold on, you know, who's going to hold EOG accountable for the stuff South, especially if it's wells or, you know, anything, any disturbance, um, you know, obviously the state's saying, oh, well, we'll make sure they do it. Well, I mean, are you though? Like, cause you're about to just trade about, it's about 5,000 acres. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of property. Um, now it is state land. So I, it, it, this is a, this is a weird topic because you know, the state can do this if they want. Right. However, I'm kind of siding with the, the ranchers and livestock owners of like, hold on, like, unless you tell us how you're going to enforce them to reclaim some, some property, if it's damaged, you know, this ain't going through. Um, so it's, um, it's one of those gray areas where, you know, it's state land. So the state can kind of, you know, they can do this, especially we're in a, in a revenue shortfall. This would generate revenue, hopefully on state lands. Um, but at the same time, I do kind of like caution, like, well, hold on. Like, we can't just let these guys go all over the place, but, um, yeah, well, it's interesting. You bring that up too. it. it it's state land. Um, and in the article here, uh, from County 17, um, uh, I forget the name of the County commissioner, but there were, um, she stood up and said, you know, this is, she's going to go with the states, uh, whatever the state decides to do on this. She's not sure the county commissioners necessarily have the authority to approve this. Um, because again, you had these local ranchers who were, uh, I think it was at a, uh, a meeting or whatever it was, you know, trying to get them to oppose this. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I think ultimately it's going to end up being the state that decides. Um, what I thought, was interesting too was that there's a uh, school sections in here uh, that would be traded um, and for those that don't know school sections you know when Wyoming first became a state those lands or those sections were transferred to the state to be used to generate revenue for schools um, and so I I wasn't sure whether or not those leasing of the you know the leases for grazing rights if that money also helps generate like money for schools too, in addition to like the minerals that are being extracted or um, how that works. Yes and no. Um, you know, yeah. Cause a rancher does have to pay a grazing lease. Um, and yeah, that money goes back to the state. Um, you know, it, I, it's a yes and no, it, it does go into, you know, the overall state revenue. Um, but um, I wouldn't say, you know, if you're comparing apple to apples, oil and gas development on those state sections are going to generate a lot more than a grazing. Right, right. But, um, so yeah, that, and it, well, and that brings up the point again of, you know, uh, Governor Gordon has proposed all these cuts. 
these are state school sections. Like you just said, why, why were they invented was well for the state to make money. It's like, so right. there you go. So um, now I've met many ranchers that have had a state lease for almost three generations. So, you know, there is that sense of, you know, I've been out, you know, the family's been running this school section for, you know, hundred plus years. So, you know, I, I totally get where they're coming from and I totally understand the whole, you know, what are you going to do, you know, as precautions of EOG just leaving stuff out there on the state sections. Right. Right. So, oh, that's it. That's, you know, and um, that is interesting for that county commissioner. I mean, she's right. I mean, she could fight the state, I guess, you know, the, the, and that's probably what the ranchers want. But anyway, so kind of an interesting development. We'll see. Like I said, I don't think uh, I bet right now the state's not even considering. Yeah. Uh, uh, especially where oil and gas is right now, the price of oil. Yeah. They're probably telling, they're probably telling EOG, how about you wait until we know you're actually going to drill something. So sure. <laughs> to stay on EOG, um, you know, not to pile it on them here, but um, there was a gas explosion last year. Um, where they injured a couple employees. Um, so this is actually going into a lawsuit. Um, the employees were injured. Um, but um, so anyways, that'll be kind of interesting to see how that turns out. Um, yeah. And really what's coming down to is who's negligent for um, bad equipment on the site. So um, right. it'll be interesting because right. most of the guys, those guys were uh, contractors. Um, they weren't necessarily EOG employees. So um, I'm not a lawyer by any means, but that seems kind of like where the, the gray area is, is about EOG saying, well, our employees, you know, and in-house they were up to our, you know, checked in standards and whatever. And so uh, anyway, so kind of an interesting development for EOG. So EOG in the news this last week. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so now let's talk this for, so we're going to talk a lot of EPA stuff in the carbon capture. So the EPA, um, which we kind of talked in our last episode, what we were hoping for the Trump administration is kind of clean things up, make it a little more just common sense. Seems like he's trying to do that. The EPA is going to set up a office of mountains, deserts, and plains. Um, which would pretty much cover kind of like the Rockies. Um, and if you're not familiar, the EPA usually sometimes has people making decisions out of California or DC. I don't care who you are, that should make you mad because it's like they're not here first off. Yeah. You no. Know? And so this should make everyone excited that we're going to have a localized EPA office. Um, that's the first thing. So um, that was reported by the Western Wire. Um, and that's really it. There's nothing like he's not changing any policies or anything like that. He's just saying we're going to move a, an, an office out here kind of into the Rockies area. Yeah. Along with that, the EPA did rule in favor of Wyoming that the state of Wyoming can be in charge of what happens with carbon capture and carbon capture injections, CO2 injections, which is what's going on in Gillette. And we've talked about this quite a bit. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, 
one, this is good news for that carbon capture facility. Um, two, I think it's good news for the state. Um, you know, they're not going to have any EPA oversight, you know, let the state uh, be in charge of it. That's, I, I kind of feel like that's fine with me, you know, that, um, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, Cause this is a test facility. So it's like, we're not even like, they're not, there's probably people out there saying they're already injecting CO2 in the ground. That's not, that's not what's happening. This, this is a facility that's going to test that. Um, so you already have a conservation group called the Sierra club coming out, making statements saying, you know, this is bad. You know, they can't do this. You know, the EPA shouldn't be doing this. Um, and you and I have talked about it, Zach, this gets, this, this is like crying wolf. You know, it's this yeah. little boy that cries wolf. It's like, guys, like, this is why, you know, that no one takes you seriously because like, they're not even doing it yet. This is a test facility with the University of Wyoming. Yeah. The state will have oversight. Like, anyways, so what are your yeah. thoughts? Like, a lot, there's a lot there, right there, but. There, there is a lot, um, but I, I think that's great. Um, I'm all for the states being in charge of, you know, what happens within their borders. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, moving, first of all, moving the office to a more central location, um, I think is going to help not just with land, uh, you know, natural resources, but just ensuring that across the board, you know, the Rockies and, and our lands are being taken care of. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, keeping them from turning into, you know, the mountain fires that are in California every summer, um, I think is going to be huge. Um, and then again, yeah, we are in such a, a weird time that our information or bits of information come so immediately that we just immediately react without um, waiting for all the news to come in. Um, and we've been, you know, spoiled with how quickly we can get information to us. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it behooves everybody to just wait, <laughs> wait, get all the facts and do your, your due diligence and research too, to figure out what's actually going on. Um, and again, this, this is going to be great for Wyoming. Um, as we know, the days of, of coal and, uh, are, you know, starting to slow down. Um, and so whatever ways we can still use those resources, um, and improve upon them, I think is going to benefit Wyoming in the long run. So. Absolutely. And that was a great transition. Um, I can't believe we haven't talked about this before. Um, but uh, the state has been investigating, and I, I hate the word investigation. I don't, I think they're just helping Pacific Corp understand what's the best way to provide energy for Wyoming residents. Um, but this came out last year in December, so almost, we're almost out of a year. Uh, that Pacific Corp, they're a very large utility company here. Um, so in December of last year, they were saying, hey, look, we've got to do something with our infrastructure to help provide power. And the state said, okay, well, we'll look into that with you. You know, why, you know, and they stated that they would have to close all their power plants throughout the state, which are coal-fired power plants by 2030. And so the state's like, well, look, you know, that's, you know, that's in 10 years. That's, that's a pretty short amount of time. Um, so anyways, that was in 2019. 
um, recently there was a big, I'd say debate. They, you know, Pacific Corp wanted to stall. I wouldn't say stall. They just wanted to post, postpone some hearings um, because of this carbon capture facility. Pacific Corp is saying, we'd like to see kind of like, is this going to help us keep those coal power plants going? Right. Um, and the governor in, we've got, um, it's from the Petroleum Association of Wyoming. You know, the govern, governor made a statement of, you, you know, it, um, he's kind of on the fence of, let's see what it is. You know, what, what do they have to say? Um, but, um, you know, one of my things that I want people to be aware of in this whole situation, because it, it's going to affect everybody here in Wyoming. Um, and we're already seeing, you kind of mentioned California, we're already seeing California, you know, they're having blackouts. You know, the governor himself is coming out saying, hey, you got to turn off your power. Um, yeah. I don't see that happening here in Wyoming, but, you know, it, for, for us living in America, that's kind of a weird thing that we're having states turning off power. Um, yeah. But here are kind of my key things that we, if people could find out, you know, something Zach and I are going to try and find out ourselves is, one, what was pushing Pacific Core to, you know, either retire their coal power plants or, you know, why is it so expensive to retrofit them to keep them coal? Um, that's my first question. Um, and I, I have an answer to a couple of it is, it's interesting because the U.S. and Wyoming in particular, we have the cleanest coal and we burn the cleanest coal in the world. So it raises the question, what's, you know, we're closing down our coal power plants here, but we can't run our own coal power plants. Or sorry, we're closing coal mines here, but we can't keep our coal fire. Like what, so what's the reason here? Are they just getting old? Like, am I missing something here? Um, so that's number one. Number two, say they're moving to renewables. Um, why should the state get involved? There's plenty of federal aid for projects um, to switch over to renewables. Um, you know, why can't you have a plant operate coal and renewable? Um, I feel like that'd be pretty reliable. Um, is my thought. Um, and there are some there are some renewable projects coming in. I mean, Pacific Corp's already doing some wind farms and solar farms down in southern Wyoming, so they're already doing it. Um, so that's the second question. And then my third question is, why would people in the state in those hearings with Pacific Corp fight them on bringing in carbon capture into the conversation? Um, the state has put in a lot of money into this carbon capture facility. But now we're going to fight a utility company that says, hey, we maybe want to use that in our power plants. Yeah. So kind of confusing. So a lot of moving parts, but a lot of weird, you know, if you're thinking through this logically, like, what's going on here? Like, what? Um, yeah. We have coal. We have natural gas. You know, Pacific Corp can't use those. Like, what? What's what's the deal here? For sure. Um, yeah, I, I was not uh, aware of this situation with them. Um, but yeah, I think those are great questions. You know, if we have the facilities, we have the, you know, the tools and stuff to, to get this done. Why isn't it? Why isn't it going? Um, yeah. Yeah, so something to, to keep an eye on. Um, 
And it's just funny the timing again, because it's like, yeah, California's having blackouts. Yeah. But, yep. but we're still having an issue. So it's like, what's going on here? Like, what did Pacific Corp just run a bad business model and not they're not updating their their facilities? And now they want state and federal help, um, which really sucks because I'm totally against that. But it's kind of like, where are we going to get our power? Because now, like, you guys kind of, so anyways, it's one of those weird, like, I don't know what you do in that situation. Um, but last last thing, Zach, um, I felt really bad when I researched this a little bit more. I didn't understand your question the last episode we were doing this. Um, so our interview with Senator Biteman, we were talking about the purchase, Orion Mine buying that Occidental land. Um, I thought he had said Trona, like Natrona County. Um, and that's okay. what I thought we were talking about. Um, but anyways, there's another article about Orion Mine and about what they look, what they're looking at using or what uh -huh. they're looking to mine. Um, and they are looking to mine a mineral called Trona. So this is, that's where my confusion, I was like, I thought was, they were talking about Trona County. But uh, so Trona is interesting. You can, uh, you use it to make soda ash, which then you can make paper products, glass, and kind of those types of products. So um, I thought that was interesting. So I think kind of giving a shout out to Senator Bo Biden there. That's what he's hopeful for that Orion Mines going to mine for in the state of Wyoming. Um, I'm thinking on that same line, hopefully maybe a company moves to Wyoming that can make those products. Um, so another thing to kind of keep an eye on there. Um, sure. And uh, that's kind of all we have in the energy and agriculture news. Um, yeah. Let's, we've kind of got some abstract this is kind of abstract here Zach so you and I can just talk about this a little bit all right um, in other state news uh, the city of Lander did a study um, which I think is hilarious because Sheridan city of Sheridan also did a study similar to this about affordable housing and it cost a lot of money um, which I feel like I'm not sure if the city should be, you know, looking at it now hindsight's 2020 but it's like really should you have spent six figures on a study um, especially yeah. on housing because it's like you ask any 20 year old trying to find a house in Sheridan they tell you yeah it's not very affordable there's right. your study so anyways that's yeah. my little gripe there but um, so Lander did a similar study kind of about um, housing you know I, I, this is kind of a Wyoming problem it's not just Lander you, you know why can't we keep our young adults here um, and, and this is what they concluded Young adults struggle to have income for housing. So kind of a housing, you know, affordable housing, I guess. Um, couples um, that would, I would kind of put them in, in, in my parents and your parents' age, um, you know, children out of the house. Um, so they don't need a big house anymore. Their kids are all grown up, they're out. Um, so those couples are trying to look for kind of smaller homes and they're having issues doing that. Um, businesses can't attract workforce, um, which again, that, that, that sounds very common in Wyoming. And then the last one, um, you know, aging parents or elderly, um, are having a hard time finding adequate, 
you know, living situations, either that be assisted living, uh, you know, uh, nursing homes. Um, so that, what's your thoughts? I mean, I, I found this and I thought, you know, this is kind of something interesting to talk about. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, there was a city council meeting, I think, uh, what was it Cowboy State Daily that reported this that we have linked here. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, something that had been proposed was, you know, building affordable housing as a result of this survey. Um, and so they were looking at changing zoning codes. Um, I think the current zoning codes uh, makes it so that structures have to be at least 6,000 square feet. Um, and they're looking at maybe reducing that to 5,000 square feet. Um, and so the uh, residents of Lander um, showed up in, in uh, full force to kind of combat this or um, to oppose this um, and come up with different solutions. They're not wanting to see, you know, small, um, they call them like cottage kind of communities um, where you have, uh, I think the closest thing in Sheridan might be kind of across from Highland Park. Um, just kind of real tight knit, small houses, small backyards. Um, so kind of some stuff like that. Honestly, I don't see a problem with that. I mean, if people want to start building some more affordable housing for people, I think, go ahead. Um, my question is though, you know, what comes first, the housing or the jobs um, to get people there? Yep. Um, and so does building a whole bunch of houses and then having empty houses mean people are suddenly going to move there? I don't think so. Um, I think the job's got to be there first and then the houses will follow. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, Oh yeah. It's a, it's a big, it. big chicken and the egg thing, you know, and, yeah. um, our interview with Spencer Kazara, we talked about that kind of, and, uh, Mark Kinner, yep. you know, trying to bring tech people here, you know, they're sitting here thinking, well, you guys don't have any tech people. Right. You know, then the counter argument is, well, we don't have any houses for the tech people. And it's like, well, you know, what, what comes first here, you know? So um, I do find it interesting. That's interesting that Lander, they came out against that proposal. Um, however, I, I do think there's probably a better way of changing those codes. Um, you know, yeah. me personally, I'm all about the city not dictating to me what I can do on my lot. That's just me personally. I do understand from the, the city's perspective of like, and like you said, you don't want those like, um, you, you know, uh, like townhomes, you know, all next to each other. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. And they're, uh, I don't want to, you know, misrepresent or, you know, misquote. So from the article, um, they're opposed to these because of the, the concerns about, you know, reduce uh, reducing property values and then congesting you know parking areas as well um and of course for those who don't know lander's a pretty small community so um but yeah so sorry uh, i just i wanted to make sure i wasn't yeah. <laughs> speaking out of turn or speaking wrong so right and it, and see and i totally understand the the home value right i mean but th this is why I wanted to talk about it. I mean, this is a Wyoming problem. I mean, this, this is, um, we're growing people are, I mean, well, and it, it's going to be interesting. I should say, I shouldn't speak for the whole state. 
there's going to be some cities that grow. And I think there's going to be, you know, cities like Lander where it's kind of like, if there's nothing here to keep me here, yeah, you know, why, why stay out here? Um, and, and I mean, shoot, you and I both know people from Sheridan that have said the exact same thing. Why should I stay in Sheridan? There's nothing for me here. Um, so, I mean, this is a, this is an ongoing thing that Wyoming's always struggled with, but, um, so it's just something to keep an eye on and maybe people to think about. Um, my big sure. question was just how much did this cost Lander? You know, like, again, like, yeah. stuff, I'm just like, what are you, like focus, focus to your city councils, people like what, anyways, I'll get off the soapbox yeah. there. But just, <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Gosh, I hate talking about this, but um, all right. We were talking about the University of Wyoming. They've had a spike down there in Laramie. Um, I don't know if we should even talk numbers, Zach, because at this point it's like, yeah. are people in charge? And I'm not saying like the governor. I'm just saying like the president at the university, the the the, the president of like the Mountain West Conference, like you know go all over the country are these guys even using math like are they using logic like yeah. I, we'll get i guess we can get into it but it's just like the more and more we do the math it's like what are we what yeah. are we doing um so for people listening sorry listeners so this is a terrible podcast here just us ranting but so the uh, the death total has moved up to 42, and I checked today, and I think that's still the same. Um, I think we had a death over the weekend, or maybe two deaths or something like that. So we're at 42 now for the state. Yeah. Um, you know, we are still at um, roughly, you know, if you add the 498 probable cases, they're reported by Cowboy State Daily plus the 4,032. So we're looking at 4,500. Um, if you do the math, you know, our, our recovery rate is almost 99%. Um, and that's even with, that's even with new cases. Um, you know, that's with us putting, we've got 60 new cases throughout the state. Um, you know, already, um, this was interesting from Cowboy State Daily was, you know, roughly about 20 of them have already recovered over a week. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, what's frustrating is, you know, the university, right, they've had that spike. Oh, we might not do in-person school at all. And it's like, so, so why'd you bring them, why'd you bring them in in the first place? Like, did, you know, um, I guess are we just like I guess what I'm trying to say is like did we not know like this is what's gonna happen like is that what you're telling us is like right. you thought we we would not have new cases <laughs> um, yeah what's your you thought know, I mean you're in school you're like I mean shoot you yeah kind of just said it like shoot Bozeman kid all of a sudden say ah online yeah, and I mean I'm in a very important time of, you know of my school too my last year getting ready to go student teach in a, in a semester um, even right now my practicum experience um, kind of my first real experience running a classroom um, is kind of up in the air to you know teachers who don't know if they want to bring in somebody from outside the school um, 
but you know, yeah, I mean, were, were we not expecting this? I mean, if we had our head in the sand, we've heard people like Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks and President Trump and, and all these people say, there's going to be a spike in the fall. Like, I mean, there's, it's just going to happen. And so there's, there's that to consider. And of course, everybody's had a different plan or different idea of what's going to happen. Um, and, you know, it, it's hard because there's, again, we we're, we mean, we're taking this sickness seriously. We're taking the virus seriously, but we're also taking the numbers and the facts of it seriously too. Um, and, you know, when there's a lot of um, over-the-counter medications that help alleviate symptoms, even the symptoms after the fact of the illness, because I know some people who get it are feeling pretty terrible afterwards. Maybe they're not sick, but they just have maybe leftover symptoms. Um, but we're finding more and more all these over-the-counter medications that can alleviate those symptoms and even get rid of them. Um, uh, and then the other thing is, you know, um, <laughs> I think at any given time, or you know, during flu season, um, there can be up to about 30% of students who have the flu and are home for a few days because they have the flu at any public school, you know, and we're not shutting it down. We're not quarantining kids. We're not, you know, changing our entire life around the flu. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting, um, you know, and it's, it's tough to walk this line uh, that we're, you know, kind of forced to walk where we, you know, we've got these numbers in the back of our head, but we also know, you know, people are getting sick and people are dying. So, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> and that, that makes probably about as clear as mud, um, you know, but I yeah. think that's just the. I just, I just wish, and I guess, I guess this is why you and I made this podcast is hopefully come November, and I'm saying this more of a local standpoint, is like this is why we need to be focused on who our leaders are and i and this is a weird time not saying like you could have planned this but it's like this is why i think south dakota she's been amazing because she stuck to her plan and she said this is what's going to happen this is what i'm going to do this is what the state's going to do and i mean it, and lo and behold that's what's happened and it's kind of like well she stuck to her plan um you know, I think, you know, I will say Governor Gordon's done a pretty good job. I think he's kind of, he's um, stuck to his plan, but I want to end with this of how much pressure can he take, right? Because yeah. if the university, and we've already kind of talked about this, the university has a lot of clout. There's a lot of people with ties to the university, obviously handing out three grand to students and then now they're not even going to do in-person class and that was kind of the requirement of that three grand so they've got some push if they go full-on online you know how long is the governor going to wait you know what i mean and we can't talk about numbers you know does he have a number you know if, if we hit if we hit 50 deaths you know that'd be eight more deaths is that his number um or is it cases in a day um you know, I, I, it'd be probably great to know from him, like what, what, like, which is fine. You know, like now I would argue, I don't think you have any right to close down businesses again. That's a completely different topic, but, um, 
So anyways, like, I think that's what we're, you and I are getting at is there's no consistent, not that I want it nationally. I think we don't need to do anything that California is doing. Um, but I think that's, what's been the problem is there's no consistency at any level of leadership. Um, and I think this is why it's important come November, you know, like we need to know who your senators are. You need to know who your representatives are. Um, Gordon's not up, so he's the governor, but it's like, you know, this is why it's important. Um, and I'll kind of say this in, in regards to pressure, you, you know, uh, varsity football last week for Buffalo and Newcastle got canceled because one kid on Newcastle was tested positive for COVID. Now what will be interesting is you're getting a lot of reports on, was it a false positive? So we'll kind of have to see if, if it's a false positive. Um, but they just straight up canceled that game. They just said, you know what? We're not even going to do it. We're not even going to um, risk it. Um, so, you, you know, it, it'll be interesting because what's, what's 4A going to do? You know, that's one kid, you know, and, and it was my understanding that, you know, if, if, if there was contact trace, we've got things in place where, you know, we're screening kids' temperatures, you know, we're telling them if they have any sort of cold symptoms, you know, they're staying home, even if, you know, um, I'll say this, we had, we had a couple ninth graders sick last week. They got tested, both were negative, but we told them, you know, pretty much don't even, don't even test it. You, you just stay home and we'll deal with it later. Um, so that's kind of what I mean by like pressure. Like what's our, what's our, what are the thresholds here of, you know, one kid, one kid on NC's squad gets it, you know, what, right. So I guess you're just going to cancel the game, you know, like what, so, um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. So it'll, it'll be interesting. This whole thing is interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, Weird, weird time we're living in, mm -hmm. weird for sure. So. Yep, yep. You, you know, know, and I, um, I kind of want to do this segment, Zach. We'll kind of now, like, yeah, talk here. Um, I was doing some research on the Johnson County Cattle Wars. I don't know if you've ever looked into that. Yeah, um, just a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, um, I think we should do a series on it, if you have time. Um, super fascinating. Um, yeah. And this is why I want to get like the Wyoming Stock Growers Association Land Trust on. I want to get Dave Kane on because the first guy, the, the cattleman, the corporate cattleman tried to assassinate in this Johnson County cattle war was the president of the Wyoming Stock Growers Association. Okay. <laughs> which I didn't know that. I knew the name, yeah. but I was like, I didn't know he was the president. So anyways, it's fascinating history. But um, I think we need to do a segment called give no ground um that could be tied into private property second amendment um i think you know in, in talking about this like kind of motivation to governor gordon like hey just give no ground man like we're we're at a 99 percent recovery rate in the state yeah. yes we understand people have died understand that but we are at a 99 percent recovery rate and that's not even counting there's probably more than 500 probable cases, you know, you know, and so it's like, just stand your ground, man, give no ground. You, you know, take notes from South Dakota's governor. She stuck with her plan. That's what's going to happen. Um, yeah. 
And I also think it goes for energy. I think, you know, energy and agriculture, you know, I think, um, what are our priorities? You know, is it the legacy of ag, especially with that EOG trade, uh, the land trade, you know, what's more important, agriculture or energy? I think we can mix them together. I think you can figure out a solution, but, um, you know, I don't want to just single out Governor Gordon, but I think all our leaders, you know, you, you got to give no ground on what you believe in. And I think that goes for, you know, Zach, if you disagree with me, I hope you would call me out on it. Um, now I think you and I agree on most stuff, but. Um, right. So anyways, I think that that would be kind of a fun segment and a fun series. Because um, I, I know a little bit about the Johnson County Wars, but I was researching it today. It's like, this is kind of a fascinating. Um, yeah. Well, even just in how, you know, it impacted the way Sheridan County and Johnson County, like, because, mm-hmm. you know, you, or originally it was all Johnson County. Sheridan and Johnson County were combined. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, just the way that whole thing plays out, too, is, is really fascinating. So, yeah. And yeah, I'd, I'd love to do that. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, it's just, I, I was reading it. I was like, man, I didn't realize how, like, oh, it's funny because I think this is funny. But um, the cattlemen, the, the big cattlemen that owned all the property, they owned all the newspapers in Cheyenne. So like it was a straight fake news. Like they were, they were, they, there's articles where they're calling Buffalo like this wild west full of criminals. And I'm like, this is like 1800s. I'm like, this is like fake news. Like this, like this, anyway, this is funny. I was like, man, like you can't make this stuff up. Like, yeah. You know, Donald, Donald Trump knows what he's talking about, you know, I mean, right. <laughs> um, but really that's just follow the money, you know, who owns the newspaper. Right. So, but yeah. Um, well, we'll have to do that, Zach. Um, yeah. I think to close it out, Zach, to kind of tie it back to the beginning there with Chief Harnish, um, I want to say he, he said it so eloquently about there's a brotherhood with fire department law enforcement officers, um, first responders, you know, EMTs, um, that no matter, you know, where they're from, um, pretty much kind of like if they meet them somewhere else, like there's that brotherhood. And then, um, you know, hopefully the country does take Friday as kind of like, look, we do have a lot of things um, that we disagree about. But majority, like I would almost say 95% of us have all the same things in common. And that's kind of what he talked about is like, look, there's, there's some evil people in the world. But guess what? There's probably more good people in the world. And, and that's what he hopes that we all remember, especially about what he said about them watching. You know, I never thought about it that way from his perspective of they're watching it. You know, they're firefighters. And when the towers collapsed, that's their immediate thought is there are first responders in there trying to, trying to get people out, not the people in the building, but the, you know, um, and I think that that is something important to remember. Like, yeah, there are people in there trying to help people. Like that's where almost majority of those deaths came from. Um, yeah. So I, I, I hope, I hope people listen all the way through, or maybe we'll just tag this into his, 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 um, interview. Um, but, uh, you know, hope, hopefully, hopefully it brings us together and not divide us anymore. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it'd be great if, uh, you know, we can just take Friday to 
just be thankful, honestly. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, we've got a lot to be thankful for. Um, and where, wherever you are, or wherever you fall on this um, politicization of, of law enforcement, um, there's no doubt that people were saved by law enforcement that day. Um, and people gave their lives self un, unselfishly for others that day too. So. Yep. Yep. And I, and I, it, it, and it is he, it, to not keep going, but he brought up to like, hopefully Friday brings us together. And then also like, um, encourages people to be first responders. And I think he said that as well as like, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that there's a dip, but you know, this whole, everything we've got going on, you know, like, um, and just to end that there are good people that are first responders. There are good people that are police officers. There are good people that are firefighters. There are good people that are EMTs. Um, and we, we need those people. We, um, now not to say like, should there be some justice reform? Should there be some police reform? You know, we're not saying that at all, but, um, I think if we can all remember there's more good than bad. I hope that's what they take away from that. For sure. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Have a uh...